This is Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Master Mover, Dana Wilson. And if you're someone that loves to learn, laugh, and is looking to rewrite the starving artist story, then sit tight, but don't stop moving, because you're in the right place. Hello, everybody, and thank you for being here today. I'm Dana, this is Words That Move Me, and I'm jazzed about this episode. Yes, um, if you are new to the podcast, I start every episode with wins. I'm going to tell you mine, and then I'm going to leave you a little bit of time to tell me yours. This week, my win is that I have graduated from a coach certification program. Yes. I am now a certified coach. My area of interest and specialization is in career coaching, specifically for individuals in art and entertainment, which, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, should come as no surprise to you. (laughs) Um, If you're curious about what career coaching is, what coaching is in general, or what it might look like to work together, head on over to thedanawilson.com slash coach curious that is the dana wilson.com slash coach curious okay that's my win now you go what's going well in your world All right, nicely done. Way to go, congrats, I'm proud of you. Keep on crushing it. Okay, today I am joined by my longtime friend, Taja Riley, and her alter, Kim Visions. In this episode, we get to learn about the Riley record industry royal family, and we discuss mental health. I learned so much about stigmas, that most of us carry around mental health disorders and the importance of really personalized treatment. Really, I actually learned the importance of listening and I hope that you enjoy and learn from listening in on this conversation with Taja Riley and Kim Visions. I'm so excited to be doing this. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, I, this is, this is common practice. I like to have all of my guests introduce themselves. So have at it, my friend, what would you like us to know about you? Okay. So my name is Taja Riley. My parents gave me that name. Um, but I have also discovered there's another, uh, person that would like to be introduced that I am, I guess the host of her name is Kim Visions and, uh, she may answer some of your questions today, but I'll always refer to this is what Kim is saying because I am in the driver's seat. So, <laughs> so, so lucky to be the recipient of two guests, but only one email, one email thread. Um, welcome, Taja, and welcome, Kim Visions. I am so excited to get to know you. Um, I've been watching Taja grow up on a stage um, as a competition dancer since what, like, 
I, I think the first time I watched you dance, you were probably 12, maybe 13. Probably. And um, man, that, that entire time I knew it was very clear that you are a force to be reckoned with on the performance level, on a creative level, on a technical level, level I might add. And um, I, I've always been fascinated with your work. You are captivating to watch. Um, so I might, might just start, if we could, by talking a little bit about the way that you grew up, um, which was as a competitive dancer or a studio kid, as they are. Yeah affectionately known. I, I watched you grow up on a competition stage. I knew you more or less in and out of, you know, studio workshops, summer intensives, things like that. But eventually we became colleagues teaching for NYCDA. Yeah. We spent yeah. every summer for how many summers in New York City, Midtown at that Sheraton every year for nationals. Um, your so trajectory so many nationals um but your trajectory has fascinated me i'm hoping you can talk a little bit about your training at denise walls mm -hmm. and how that prepared for you for the quote real world and what does yeah. your quote real world look like these days look like. okay so real world back then i started training at denise's funny story very quick one um, but I started training at Denise's when I was seven. I used to go to this other studio. I'm not going to name the name just in case they're listening. Um, but um, it was tech rehearsal day. And my mom got me and my sister's surprise tickets to Spice World concert. And it was like, this is like the day before the show. And I was like, I'm not missing Mel B or Mel C. There's just no way. And um, we went and we went to tech rehearsal and then we were like, you know, we have to leave early because we have to get ready for the concert. <laughs> and they were not having it. They were not having it. She was like, if you walk out of this dough, you ain't coming back no more. And that's literally what, what happened? happened. I said, I said, okay, um, you Clearly, though, my best interest at heart, I would really like to go see Spice World. And I went and we got kicked out of the studio. What <laughs> a fateful day. <laughs> but it was thanks to the Spice Girls, you know, I found Denise's and it really was. We were out of like a place to train me and my sisters. That's why I'm saying we. And um, my dad was rehearsing at Denise's at the time doing his stuff for Black Street. And um, I guess it came up in conversation one day, Denise uh, brought it up and she was like, you have daughters? Like, cause he said, he mentioned something about us. And she was like, you have daughters and you have not brought them to the studio. And she was like livid. And so he was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll talk to, I'll talk to Donna, that's my mom. And um, my mom ended up bringing us in. And yeah, I just like from there, I think uh, Denise and the whole faculty at the studio just kind of fell in love with us. We became those regulars. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I had like three recreational years and then moved into the junior company, which is what Denise wanted to test out. And I remember just feeling so electric about dance just from from that time that like you know when people are like when did you start dancing and I'm like uh well technically I say like seven because 
that's when I was on a comprehensive level where I was actually <laughs> taking things in. And it's also when I started dancing at Denise's. But, um, but yeah, like I remember like the feeling it was, um, it was, it's raining men. That was the, that was the dance. And I remember like they gave me a little solo to, no, it was 1999. It was 1999. Prince. Prince. It was 1999. And they gave me a partnering solo. And I was wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. What's, what's a partnering solo? Okay. A, par a partnering solo is when <laughs> they ask you to partner with somebody, but then it becomes a, a solo. solo. I love <laughs> Taja. Taja, I <laughs> have just named the episode. A, a partnering solo, a partnering solo. With Kaja Riley and Kim <laughs> Visions. You saw it and heard it here first. Okay, so so that's when it so that's when it kind of gelled for you. Yeah, it did. Um, it really felt like the, I'm the a music. It, I'm a dancer, but it was even more than that because I felt. I think because my music is my first love. Like I was born um, um, the same day as one of my dad's concerts. So I do think that there's such a musical um, tie that I have outside of the fact that my family's a music entertainment family. Mm -hmm. um, but I was also the kid that did not have rhythm. Um, my dad was actually very embarrassed by me. And he was like, oh my God, Donna. He was like, Donna, oh my God, I cannot have a child that has no rhythm. This is just so, this is not good. Like he was like, you have to throw her any and everything. So my mom, put us with four instruments. We were in the choir at school and we did dance and I did gymnastics and it was rhythmic gymnastics that I had to do because I had to get musicality. Oh, for sure. We can't just be having you on those <laughs> parallel bars. You need to be parallel bars on beat. On beat, I, on beat. Number one, I had no idea that that is how your relationship with Denise Walls started. So that's oh fascinating. <laughs> So Taja's dad is Teddy Riley. He is a legend, to put it very simply. Um, he produced Michael Jackson's Dangerous. He is credited for pretty much single-handedly creating New Jack Swing, which is one of my favorite genres of music and, and dance. Um, he and his group Blackstreet brought us No Diggity, which is for the record. Like if you really had to ask me for one song, like if I had to listen to one song over and over and over and over again until the end of time, it would, it would be that be no diggity no way close sec well it's it's a tie with uh superstition by stevie wonder okay so okay those, yeah well those are I like think it's a, a fair toss-up mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i would love to see those two songs duke it out by the way okay anyways so that is teddy riley in a nutshell so talk a little bit about other than him um at first being suspicious of your rhythm what is it like growing <laughs> growing up with a music mogul dad and how did that shape your relationship with dance and music you know it's funny because well the entertainment industry as you know it's it, there's so much it's a whole nother it can be high school sometimes it can be this workplace of a, a community or a village that you find, but it can also be very like cutthroat in terms of relevancy. And I know that there's like this inward battle with even people that feel like they um, have a place in the or, industry. Or, or they feel top. like they have to stay or on top. It's, it's, the, it's the battle of now I have to stay on top. 
and how do I stay on top? How do I one up my top? How do I want up myself? How do I want up my competitors? How do I bring something different to the table? And, and then also, you're probably collaborating with people and passing on your formula. And then those people that you're, you've actually helped and, you know, through God or whoever you answer to divinely, they, they become a competitor. And so, and they become like, you know, obviously, um, it's just, it's just a, it's just a, it's a constant cycle of try, try to survive, try, like it's the, that rat race, try to survive. And with doing that, uh, some people's priorities, you know, are simply that, that those are the top priority for them because it actually is, they feel like it is the excuse for what they, what they call their priority, which is family you know? And so for my dad, his belief was, I believe, to my perspective, right? Um, I think I saw and observed that he wanted to provide so much for my family that he, you know, dove into a zone of his work. And, and that allowed him so certain doors to open for himself, even certain doors to open for us. And in, in a way, that's kind of like your, your trust fund, right? Your, uh, as, you, as you get older, that, that cushion um, that allows you, in, a, in like a royal family, it's like you, you're underneath that family, so you automatically have that favor, you know? Um, or people automatically see you in this light or this class or this caste system. Um, so in that way, I think that it was a great help, but then in other ways, you know, did I ever really play ball with my dad? No. And I'm like a tomboy. So like sports were my thing. I've never played a soccer game with my dad. I did get a chance to share moments with him at like, you know, the movies and going bowling and, you know, different, like really, um, like family outing type things, but it did seem a lot like he was very focused on other things, you know, and I don't blame him for that. I think that, you know, we're all human and we're all just trying to figure it out. And I think whatever is passed down from the other generation, we're also trying to learn or separate ourselves from that or try and try and up that ante. And I think for him, that was his major priority, but he kind of lost sight of, you know, maybe the per the extra personal time he could have spent. With that said, though, I think he um, is teaching me so many new things now, you know, as an adult, and um, he's still my dad, but he's not, it's not the same kind of responsibility of like, you know, pick me up after school and make Show sure I get my lunch on time. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's more of like uh, there's a nurture that comes into play where I'm realizing that um, this is an even bigger coaching and mentorship than I could have ever desired for myself because music and entertainment is truly where I need the tutelage, you know, and he has so much to offer that in terms of even if I were to just go on the internet and search through him and see his interviews and see the things, I can still get that coaching. And then I have the extra personal time backstage, you know? I'm so glad that you mentioned that. 
not only does he have so much to offer in terms of being mm -hmm. a mentor in, in the field of music and entertainment, but he is actually also your dad. So he has a lot to offer and he has a lot of interest in you. Right, right. So right, many people, right. especially today, the climate for mentorship programs is 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 thick like this is a yeah it's yeah, a time when people yeah. are able to be training it's a time when people are capitalizing on their experience their education and their interest in connecting in a deeper way but mm -hmm, could mm -hmm. any one of those mentors offer their mentee as much individual care compassion and genuine interest as your dad gives you i mean he's your dad so yeah. maybe maybe yes yeah. maybe no it's very interesting yeah. though, that i hadn't thought about that in terms of a mentor mentee relationship your dad is invested in you because you're a part of the the family band <laughs> as it the were the family band the family, the family band. band yeah no but I, you know i love the guy i love that guy <laughs> and uh, i think he's great you know i think he what he does is absolutely it's astonishing to have this sense like there's this one thing that i can't shake i haven't been able to shake over my entire career is that i don't know my whole my dad's whole discography like from top to bottom but if i were to ever hear a song on the radio that was either influenced by him or created by him i know instantly and it's like a it is a second sense not a second sense i think it's six i think it's a six I think I think we have five senses, if I'm if I'm correct. Well, some some <laughs> movies try to tell you that there are six and that the sixth one is love or or something Ooh. like that. But I don't know. That's Never what, heard of that one. That's what I think the movie. Um, oh, what's his McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey. The movie about <laughs> space. What's it called? Not in. Oh God. Mm. Interstellar. I don't. There Interstellar. Mm -hmm. Interstellar. Mm -hmm. I think that movie was trying to tell me that love is the sixth sixth dimension, and that if we're gonna time travel, we talk to each other through love and connection and bookshelves. That's what I walked away from that movie with. But that's neither here nor there. Have you seen it? I have not. That's why you're confused. I have not. <laughs> Go check that oh out. Go God. check that out. Check that out and Every tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I will, I will not probably tell you you're wrong. I'll probably agree with you. Well, um, it, now I'm wishing I haven't tainted your, um, no, it's, it's fine. It's experience. fine. I'll probably forget. I'll probably forget while watching it. And then when it occurs to me, I'll be like, somebody said something about bookshelves. This reminds me. Yeah. Okay. You're going to love this. Is great. <laughs> um, okay. I'm sorry. I, I sideswiped us. I got distracted. No, it's okay. It's okay. I feel like, you know, on the subject of your dad and his signature, his musical signature, he's very clearly left a legacy, an imprint yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on the industry and on sounds. Um, but you know what, I was, as I was researching um, you and your dad, matter of fact, I discovered something I did not know. And I think many people don't know that your dad is actually the first African-American producer to use, uh, to actually produce K-pop and bring it to America. And so I, his legacy is even deeper than what I knew or expected to find out. <laughs> um, so my question for you, let's get back to you, yeah. is yeah. what do you want your legacy to be? What is the imprint Sheesh. that you are making that will last long after? I think what's really important to me, because I, I feel like you leave a bit of your legacy in everyone you encounter, right? Um, so I think for me is just 
to be an example of my core values, you know, continue to be that example. And I think, I don't know, I, I have this like big desire over all of my other desires to, to be the matriarch of my family, you know, um, of the family that I create. And that's like, I would love to be able to look back on grandkids and great grandkids and know that, you know, I built a solid foundation with either just even me through me or with me and my partner or me and my village or, you know, me and my altar, or who, whoever is um, entangled in my life that I've been able to create multiple generations or have a hand in involvement in multiple generations, watch them grow, watch their process and have been able to live it and be present with them. Um, I think that in itself, if I can remain present in every moment, whatever legacy I end up, you know, creating in the end will be something I'm like super proud of. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. And I think I generalized it. Oh, spot on. It's beautiful. It's, <laughs> Just it's, want to keep it open, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, to me, if I were to um, write the Twitter version of that answer, um, if if your dad put his fingerprint on, you know, his time in this world, it was in music. And mm -hmm. when you do it, it will be through a network of people. Mm -hmm. And you have a network mm -hmm. of gifts, a huge variety in ways of expressing yourself. Actually, that might be a good place to go next. Um, you DJ, you teach, you perform at, at like insanely high levels in an insanely diverse range of styles in terms of dance. Um, absolutely. I mean, I, you are, you're one of my favorite dancers that there is. Oh my God. Why part of it? That is like the biggest oh, Tajay, compliment you, ever. Oh, watching you is such a ride. It is such a ride. Oh, it you. is, I think maybe my, my favorite reason, if I could really back myself up here in saying why, is that when I watch you dance, I watch you experience your dance opposed to just mm. demonstrating or performing your dance. I'm watching you experience it very viscerally. And that is a, a quality that I'm very attracted to. So oh, you are definitely you. tops, my friend. But you do oh, some things in addition to performing. Um, as I mentioned, the DJing, the teaching, you assist, you choreograph. Uh, question, what is your favorite mode for creating? Ooh. I don't have one. My, <laughs> you know what? It like I read somewhere that they say that when you wake up, the very first thing that you want to do is what you were born to do. But I feel like every twenty four hours, like something, something adjusts, changes, reinvents, updates. You know, I think I find if I can say for right now in this particular phase that I I'm in, I think I find the most um enthusiastic for me is definitely just con conceptualizing creating a full idea and trying to make it as interactive and immersive as possible of going into the dimension of my mind and i, I think that that is like it's 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 so challenging for me and it's equally pleasurable for me to experience because I really get to get very clear 
on what it is that exists in my frame of mind, my perspective, in my like in the metaphors within the metaphors of what I'm trying to mean and what I might mean for that moment and what that could mean for other people. Um, that is, yeah, I think that that that's where I'm at right now. But yo, give me two two decks. I will DJ the most delicious set ever in the world. You know. Oh, that's um, great. That's yeah. a great answer. I feel like that question is a setup. And anytime, you it's know, a setup. It's such a setup when people ask me, you know. Cause I, you know, I love to edit. I love to capture. I love to choreograph. I love to teach. Um, but I think what you're like, what you're shining your light on is that any opportunity that you get to do all of them is yeah. really the sweet spot. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's the coolest. And it sounds like, and I, I don't, I know you're not able to say too much, but it sounds like you're working on right now exactly that a project where you can call on all of your many interests and talents um yeah. what, what are you able to say about what you're working on right now <laughs> okay so don't get in trouble i can't get in trouble because i'm the boss and that's why it's really fun <laughs> but um but what i can say because you know like I don't know if you've ever seen fire festival but nobody wants a fire festival right except the internet the the internet had a heyday with that. The internet loved that. Internet loves a fail. Netflix loved it. And I think Ja Rule loved it as well. I, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like getting away from that. Um, but what I, what I am creating right now started off as just a project, even like a few years back, that was just portions of other projects all coming together in one. Um, I can say that, you know, originally this started off with two meetings. Um, I had gotten approached by a digital platform um, and that digital platform gave me the opportunity and the permissions to create my own virtual event. And uh, immediately after, like I had another meeting with a, a VR company um, that decided to move forward with me and forming a relationship and greenlighting um, my dance VR video game concept. So I basically, I sat with it for a while and I had a, I had a conversation with my sister and she was like, Taj, you're so good at everything, but you're so ADD. Like, really? <laughs> like, she was like, you, you should just pick like one thing. And I've had a couple people tell me this, that like, you know, I will start and, you know, consume myself with one idea and then I'll just like float to the next. Like, it's like some segue, you know, to, to another idea and then another idea is born and another idea. And I love ideas. I really do. But she was like, if you just put all of your focus and attention on seeing this one idea all the way through, she was like, everything else, you, you pick that one idea that is going to be that that base and that foundation for all these other ideas to stem off of. And I just kept going back and forth in my head, like, but like, but both of these, like, I wish I could get both of these to work because I think both of them are great. And what ended up happening is I decided I would combine both of those ideas into one and treat my development stage um, as my show and as the event. So on a subconscious level, I'm teaching other people how to play my video game before it comes out. 
Interesting. I think that's well, like the most fat I can give you. You've certainly piqued my interest. Um, and it sounds like you are creating a solo duet. <laughs> you are bringing your two another partnering solo. <laughs> another that's what it is. Another partnering solo partnering that you're solo. you're bringing two ideas together to be one thing. And I understand the challenge of focus in that way when when you are weaving so many different ideas together. It takes extreme attention and focus, but my friend, between all of the things that you are and find interesting, I cannot wait to see what this partnering solo becomes. I'm so excited. Oh my God. I will say this because she will not let me live it down if I don't mention that this is not my idea alone. This is an idea that actually is very much coming from her mind and her dimension and her vision of what she's given me and her meaning Kim. Um, and I'm still on that journey of figuring out what, what exactly this walk is mentally, um, spiritually for me with this other voice that I tend to hear mm -hmm. and this other, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to segue into that a bit. More, I would but... love, I would love. And and I hope that we can segue with some compassion. This is my first time yeah. talking about a, um, a person with a person that is an alter. Is, that the, is that the correct yeah. word to use? Do you consider Kim an alter ego or um, what, what, what's the verbiage I should be using? <laughs> I would think, I would think it was an alter ego, but funny thing happened, right? Like a couple years ago, um, which, you know, I was in a, I was in a cult and, um, I got out and it was a pretty deep way, um, that I got out and there was a huge start over restart that happened. I do believe in a lot of ways that when that night occurred that there was a rebirth or a transformation i just feel very far from any of the other previous lives or phases that i have gone through um as a person i don't really feel connected to those that persona or uh, that part of myself anymore um i feel a different energy and i think a lot of my friends have shared that it is different um, even the way that I look is very, very different. Um, when I did actually start seeing a trauma specialist, they shared that this is my brain's rewiring. Um, the brain is so powerful and it wants to protect you. It wants to make sure that you are, you're good. This is where the conversation gets real. Now, I may be a certified coach now, but I am not by any means a neuroscientist, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a behavioral scientist, or even a person that knows what is best for people who are dealing with trauma. I don't have the tools, the training, or the experience to speak to the way that our brain handles traumas, but I am a person that thinks it's tremendously important to shine a light on discussions about mental health. In the next part of our conversation, Taja talked about the way that she got out of the cult and the things that she experienced afterward. I've edited that conversation to be age appropriate for my young listeners, but in the edited portion of the interview, Taja talks about having difficulty recognizing people, not eating, not sleeping, gaps in consciousness, 
sensitivity to certain materials and textures and even colors and various other experiences. If you or somebody that you know are experiencing something similar, I don't personally have the tools to help you here. But in the show notes of this episode, I'm including links to the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation. I'm offering links to resources where you can find professionals or more professional help. Visit the Department of Mental Health at dmh.lacounty.gov. That's a great resource, especially if you are in the Los Angeles area and don't have insurance. Other resources are mhanational.org for complementary and alternative medicine, as well as the National Helpline for Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services. That's samhsa.gov. All of those resources will be linked in the show notes of this episode, along with some recommended reading from Taja and the Mental Health Center Locator. That's www.nimh.nih.gov. One more time, that's the Mental Health Center Locator, nimh.nih.gov. I hope that within those resources, you are able to find someone you can trust and that can help you. All right, let's jump back in now with Taja and Kim. Experiencing one of my first episodes was so catastrophic for me in terms of my emotional intelligence and where I felt like I was. But like I literally went through a weekend where I could not use my hands. Like it was preventing me from that. And after coming out of that um, and getting a sense of, okay, you've got to do something about it. Having a crying moment is not going to help. How do we, how do we uh, navigate this? What, what do I need to learn? How do I need to get educated um, to define and, or even I don't even need to define it right now just to collect, right? And ha- take data, take inventory and examine things that maybe I'm adding to the pool that is, that's making me go into this crazy time, you know, to a point where I'm locking myself inside my door, you know, like I'm locking myself in my room at night so I don't go traveling. That's, that's not okay, you know? And, and with that data, did you take all of that information you'd collected mm-hmm. and seek help or, or get medical attention? What was your, yeah. you know, what does that help structure look like for you right now? Yeah, I mean, at first I wanted to find somebody that could spiritually keep tabs, you know? And going that route without God in it for me, um, I thought worked out. But I, I don't think I actually found what I was looking for in terms of receiving that truth. I, I d- dived into, you know, the trauma specialist route after months of being like, I'm not going to any hospital for a number of reasons. One, because of the whole COVID experience that we're going through. And then on top of that, I've always felt squeamish about, you know, being treated or being diagnosed, aka somebody speaking something on your life that 
you you feel like you can lose power. I've 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 heard friends of mine that even with Denise, you know, hearing hearing a doctor tell you you have cancer is way different than you saying to your body, "There's something weird. I need to go fix it." And yes, sometimes learning that information from other people is helpful, but there's something about multiple people knowing that and thinking that and being in agreement with that that can change your your recovery process or change the energy towards getting better finding health you know somebody gives you a certain title you feel like you have to act that certain way or you feel like you have to prove that you're not acting that certain way when people say that you're crazy anything that you try and demonstrate to them to prove that you are otherwise makes you crazier <laughs> To me, like, yeah. And I think that just even the term usage of disorder, that's what makes me squeamish. It's like, it's like saying moist. Like, it's not really about, you know? Okay, like so wait, 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 wait. You're like, um, dig into that. Um, you're saying that the word, the are, usage. Are, are, yeah, are the you saying usage. that the word disorder makes you uncomfortable the same way that the word Moist makes you uncomfortable, which I'm with you, by the way. Yes. I, that is not my jam, that yes. word. I've got three words that drive me nuts. But are you saying that it's the sound and the like the look of the word disorder or what it means that bothers you? I think it's I think it's what it means. I was thinking the feeling in terms of how moist makes me feel. Um, but but in terms of the actual usage, I have a problem with people saying disorder. So I, will, I challenged it with saying, if I do, I experience, I am experiencing these symptoms right now that you would put in this category of dissociative identity disorder. But I'd like to refer to it as if I'm, if I have that multiple personality, that I'm multiple personality proficient, or I'm a multi-hyphenate human being that is hypersensitive to triggers, you know? I feel like for anybody that is is dealing with their mental health, and I would say I would venture to say everybody's dealing with their mental health right now, and um, it, and it could be in a in a in a place of you know trying to figure out what what is the key to happiness or success in isolation. Uh, even that um, on a mental level, it's a lot to handle. I just think that that's where I'm at right now. But the usage, the usage of the way people position things, sometimes I think could use a, a little re-up, a little update, you know, and I think it's time. We're at a place where people are, are experiencing the reform, you know, of, of a lot, many things, you know, so. I think reforming and reevaluating language and terms, um, the way that we speak, the way that we address each other, I think so much of this is, is necessary. And mm -hmm. I think that even when it comes to like the DSM-4, like describing right. conditions, medical conditions, I do think there's language changing all over the place around certain yeah. things. Um, yeah. I'm glad to see language changing. I'm glad to see human beings taking advantage of our <laughs> uh, self-awareness and this like this evolved brain that we have where, yeah, we are actually able to think about thinking. Like we can think about our thoughts and we yeah. get to decide what we make certain words mean, but you can see the problem where if everybody had their own meaning for every word, we all of a sudden are a completely disjointed, broken community that can't connect on anything. 
if we yeah. don't know what anything means or what it means to you is different than what it means to them and what it means to you today is different than what it means to you tomorrow and how do we move forward how do we move forward when language is always changing how do we understand each other when words mean different things to different people are words neutral or are words and their meanings set rigid binding and in that ultimately powerful i don't know the best or the right way to answer those questions today but if i've learned one thing in recording a weekly podcast it's that words are important especially a word like disorder the public's stigma towards mental health disorders has built a pervasive barrier that prevents so many people from access to jobs, education, and even prevents some people from engaging in mental health care. Again, I'm not a brain scientist. Again, I am not a brain scientist or a scientist of any sort. I am a dancer. I am a choreographer. Yes, I am a coach. But I think that to say this discussion is none of my business or not my problem is a disservice to myself and to others. This conversation with Taja and Kim has reminded me that I can be a part of a peer support system. I can share resources that connect them to professional support systems, and I can evaluate and dismantle my own stigmas around mental health. That is my personal goal. I don't think it's reasonable to ask for a world that is completely free of judgment. But I do think we can help each other find more freedom by being better listeners and encouraging personalized treatment. This, this quest for freedom to me begins with awareness. And it sounds like you are doing the work to become aware of your, uh, your feelings, your experience of this life. It's, it's cool to hear you writing the empowering stories and taking stock, collecting data on what you're experiencing and using all of your many gifts, tying them all together to create value in this world. Um, and I'm, I'm so interested. I'm very curious in what it is that you're experiencing, um, you know, sensationally in your body, but also mentally and what's going on in there. And um, man, I'm... I'm inspired by your journey. I'm very interested in it. I think I'll be going to do some more research myself. <laughs> Man, I just uh, thank you so much for sharing so openly. I really appreciate of it. Of course. Yeah, no. Um, thank you for being open with me so that I could do that and have that platform. I really appreciate it, Dana. And um, everybody out there, stay safe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Taj. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is it for me today. I am so glad to have had this conversation and so happy to be sharing it with you. Again, don't forget to check the show notes for all of the helpful resources that I have mentioned. And if I have missed any, if you are a person that has found support in other ways and places, I would love to hear about it. A great place for us to be in touch is over at Words That Move Me podcast on Instagram. I look forward to hearing from you, and of course, I look forward to talking to you. 
Thank you so much for being here, everybody. I'll talk to you later. Thought you were done? No. Now I'm here to remind you that all of the important people, places, and things mentioned in this episode can be found on my website, thedanawilson.com slash podcast. Finally, and most importantly, now you have a way to become a Words That Move Me member. So kickball changeover to patreon.com slash podcast to learn more and join. All right, everybody. Now I'm really done. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.